0: We belong in the playoffs and running for a championship.
1: Matthews delivers! That's your chance to Robbed by Penny! Dilts knocks him down with the left! Champions again! Schatz gets blown up! PK 3 scores! Oh my goodness!
0: Connor McClellan! Robbie Church! And oh!
1: This is the Rush Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Jans, and we are presented by Original 16, the best beer in the game. Yes, we will recap those past two games, Rush Nation, and we'll also catch up with General Manager Derek Keenan on this episode. Plus, I know you have questions, Rush Nation. We'll get to all of those and more a little bit later on in the episode, but we do have to run it back here and talk about the past couple of games because... Although it's country night, although the San Diego Seals are in town this weekend, I do have a few thoughts on the past couple of losses. So let's go all the way back to the Vancouver Warriors game. I know that was a couple of weeks ago. I know everyone wants to put that in the rearview mirror, but where I saw the wheels fall off seemed to be the second half again. I get it. The first half wasn't ideal. I get it. Aaron Bold played great against Saskatchewan. We had a gut feeling that would happen. But in that second half, it just didn't feel like Saskatchewan had the pushback. It didn't feel like the emotion was there. It didn't feel like they could gain any momentum. So call it discipline, call it emotions, whatever you want. They had to fix that because it was fixed against San Diego the weekend before when they went and beat the best team in the league. So then you go and drop one. You probably should have won at home against the Vancouver Warriors. And the follow-up weekend, you've got a chance for a bounce back down in Fort Worth, and Panther City takes it to you in that fourth quarter. Again, 45 minutes of fine lacrosse. I really think eight-seven-nine-seven. 9 seven, they had the power play opportunity. I think that the Callum Crawford shorty affected, you know, that changed the game completely. But it's not like the rush We're out of it until late again. It's that fourth quarter. It's finding that extra spark. It's having someone step up. And I'm not sure exactly what you need to do. Maybe it's a big goal. Maybe it's a big hit. Maybe it is a scrap. You need to find that spark. Maybe it's a big save. Maybe it's just a cause turnover and a goal in transition you can build off of. There's so many different things you can do in the game of lacrosse to sway it because it is a game of runs. Saskatchewan couldn't get on a run. Saskatchewan couldn't get that three, four goal run that Panther City did. And that's why Saskatchewan ends up losing that one. So now you're five and five. You're past the midway point of the season oh, well, look at your upcoming schedule. You've got San Diego. You've got Calgary twice. You've got Colorado. It doesn't get any easier, but the way Saskatchewan's been playing, you're almost fine with that because it almost feels like they're playing to the level of their opponent. They're playing up to your San Diego's, up to your Colorado's. Calgary was an off night. I think we can throw that out the window and say that was the you know worst game of the season so far, at least worst second half of the season. And so now San Diego comes to town. We all remember what happened last time they were here. Cross the floor. Here's Robert Church. Behind the back. Scores. You couldn't ice a cake any better. Robert Church finds the back of the net for his fourth of the evening. So can you do that again? Can your veterans lead the way to a huge home win? Can your veterans, can your rookies gel together and get hot at the right time? That's what Rush Nation wants to find out. That's what Saskatchewan fans are going to be showing up for on Saturday to see if this Saskatchewan team has another run in them. I'm not saying if you lose, it's the end of the world. But here's a perfect opportunity to show everyone, show the league, show yourself, show the guy next to you in the dressing room that you're not going down without a fight. Because I think for Saskatchewan, that would be huge to get in the win column. I, I was doing some research as well, and I was digging back. Again, I'm on Twitter at janner on PXP if you've already seen this. 2015, Russia's first championship. Yes, I know where it was, but they started the year 4-4. Four and four. It's different than five and five. I fully get it. It's a very similar team dynamic, though. You had those veterans. You had those youngsters who had been in the league for a couple of years at this point. The last eight games of the season, they went seven and one on to winning a championship. Talk about getting hot at the right time. There's no reason why this Saskatchewan team can't do it. I'm not guaranteeing anything. I don't think there's any guarantees in life. But I'm just saying being 500 right now isn't the end of the world because if you can finish 6-2, and two, if you can finish 7-1, and one, you're laughing. And no one cares. No one gives a damn about the start of the season, right? You're going, wow, those were a couple of embarrassing games. Good thing we're in the playoffs sitting good. Let's go battle. But if all of a sudden you go 1-1 one and one or 0-2 oh over these next couple of games, well, then you're probably looking at some changes here in Saskatchewan but the man who can talk all about that is general manager Derek Keenan we'll catch up with him next on the rush hour podcast Derek Keenan winningest NLL coach of all time joins me on the podcast right now let's just run it right back here I want your take on the past couple of games obviously Mm -hmm. they, they haven't gone Saskatchewan's way but you've been watching them you've been following closely and I'm sure you've watched back a few times what's your opinion on those games
0: uh, Pretty bad, is my opinion on them. Um, and it's funny, you know, because, you know, we're five and five. I think we've played seven very good games. Uh, you know, the, the two overtime losses, you know, they're overtime losses. I, I, I think we probably deserve to win both of them, but we didn't. So we are where we are. But our three losses were bad. You know, the Calgary loss, uh, the Vancouver loss, and then this past weekend in Texas. They they were, um, and, and it's kind of a, a culmination, I think, of a lot of different things. Um, but the most noticeable thing for me as an observer now and not on the bench anymore is our compete level and our effort level is not consistent enough. Um, and that has to change or we're going to be, you know, we're going to be battling here to try and get into a playoff spot even. So um, that has to change. It has to be more consistent and, uh, and we we can't make excuses. And yeah, we last week we were a little banged up injuries, couple guys sick, whatever, but we've got, we've got more than enough guys in depth and in, in that, especially on our back end that we should be able to, you know, come in and compete. And it just wasn't consistent enough. Like I felt that in that game and, at Panther city on Saturday, we were right there, uh, you know, one goal game. And then we gave up a shorty. Then we made a real lame effort on the power play. Just didn't even get a shot off. Um, you know, just not enough compete and uh, not playing hard enough in the important areas of the game. And, uh, you know, on a consistent basis, our wins, you know, and the two, you know, the overtime losses, I would say that, we played extremely well. So that's a little bit frustrating for me as a general manager to watch that and go, okay, why aren't we doing this on a consistent basis? Um, so that's those are the answers we need to come up with and figure out a way here.
1: You brought up compete level and, and also underperforming. I think those are words that have been brought up multiple times. Those really weren't things of the past. When I think about the rush from 2012 to 2018, right? Mm-hmm. The compete, the mm-hmm. grit was always there. What do you think has kind of changed since then? Obviously, you're not on the bench anymore, but what are you seeing from your perspective?
0: Oh you know, yeah, it was. It was. We saw quite a bit of that last year too. To be honest, um, you know, there's there's a there's a there's a the right way to play the game. You know, in, in, in all aspects, it doesn't matter. OD transition, special teams, you know, face-offs, everything, you know, and um, everybody has to play the same way. Like not, you know, everybody has different talent, different skill sets, different levels of athleticism and that. But when you're into your basic systems, everybody has to play the same way. Everybody has to – on a, when, when we're transitioning to offense, everybody has to run hard off the bench every shift, not just some shifts. Some never run hard off the bench. Stuff like that is crucial to the success of our team overall as a group. And if you've got a few guys that aren't pulling on the same rope and doing their own thing and not doing those what I think are important – aspects of the game and there are fundamental aspects of the game from, from our perspective, then you're going to get results like we've had in three of those games that, you know, we just aren't doing playing the game. What I consider the right way consistently. And that's what I've seen. And, And especially in those three games, the other like seven games, I thought we've done a lot of those things. So I guess the message is like, why aren't we? And the question is why aren't we doing them consistently? And that, those answers I've yet to find yet. So, um, but you know, we'll find them and, uh, and we're going to try and fix them. So, um, but it is that it's doing, doing the things that make your teammates successful and all your teammates successful every time out on the floor, not just once in a while, not half the time, not 75% of the time, every time you step on the floor. And that goes to all areas of our game. Defense, transition, to offense, transition, to defense, and offensive sets, special teams, face-offs, everything. Like this year, you know, we've we've been a pretty decent face-off team this year, but we've probably given up six or seven goals off face-offs. And to me, that it's a no-brainer. Like it's one of our... It's one of our fundamental rules as a team. It's one of our performance goals to give up zero, never. Don't give up any because they're backbreakers. And we've given up a lot off faceoffs of this year. And we've given up a lot of shorthanded goals, both in transition and in set defense. So those are the little things that you go, okay, these are the, these are the statistical and glaring things to me as to why we are where we are
1: well answer me this then because you've been on a bench and seen it firsthand where i haven't is that not a little bit of the intensity when you talk about the face-offs the shorthanded and just being ready to play at all times or am i seeing this wrong
0: sometimes face-offs is technical not necessary to compete like sometimes it's over compete you know like too many guys chasing the ball for instance okay. uh, That and that happens and uh the transition to defense is 100 percent effort that's all that is that's 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 on our old guys if we're getting shorthanded goals against in transition that's 100 on our offense like there's no question um you know we got a shorthanded against us and settled the other night it was a little bit of a you know a, not a great matchup and then not a very good double team and we get beat which was uh, what turned out to be a pretty big goal um especially when we didn't respond after we won the face off cleanly, got another possession and never even got a shot off. So. Um, those are the little things there. And, um, why, you know, in terms of, and, and I, and I, and for the most part, it's not our young guys. Our young guys kind of don't really know any different. They, they just come and play. They play hard, they make mistakes, but they're going to learn from that and they are continuing to learn from that. So it's not, it's not the younger guys that are, you know, we're having problems with compete here and effort level. So, um, you know read between the lines on that and you know you might get some answers there but you know um, that's kind of where where I, where the way I see things right now that uh, our, our veteran guys are experienced guys most of whom have been around for a lot of championships and a heck of a lot of success you know and and the reason to go back to you know what we used to be able to just no matter how poorly we might have played for a quarter or a half or even sometimes three quarters we could always figure out a way to win because the compete level was always there. You know, it was always, you know, we could always say, okay, we've made a few mistakes. Now we need to get back to what we do well and we're going to do it hard and we're going to do it well. We just kind of lacked that on a consistent basis. I've seen, I've seen enough of it this year that I know it's there. I think it's there, but it hasn't been consistent enough.
1: I think Jimmy put it good, too. We talked about it on the pregame show the past weekend where it's not a light switch anymore. It's not just something you can flip on for a quarter or a half and win games because teams like Panther City and Calgary, who on paper don't have the roster like Saskatchewan does, they're getting it done by playing a full sixty. But uh, again, you brought up the rookies, and that's really what I want to talk about too. Because you're the one that drafted them. You're the one that's seen them out throughout this whole process. So I I know it's kind of a you know process to go through all of them one by one. But I got to start with Ryan Barnable because his impact mm-hmm. has been felt. You know, a couple mm-hmm. of games into his NLL career here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like he's, you know, we it was unfortunate that he got hurt. Uh, right at right at the end of training camp there in Calgary, we. But the good news is we thought he was done uh, for the year, but he's not, and he's come back strong. He's a special kind of player because he's got a really good skill set. When you look at him, you think, yeah, he's not very big, but you know what? He's really, really strong, and he just he he doesn't get overmatched by anybody uh, defensively. Um, he plays our style. He's aggressive. Um, he's real good in transition. Uh, he plays hard all the time. You know, I've obviously watched the kid a lot. He's from Whitby, You and know, I saw him play a lot in junior, even minor lacrosse. And he's always been that kind of guy. And uh, um, we think he's got a tremendous, tremendous future with our team. And and he's just he's just kind of catching up too. You know, it was awesome. He scored on his first shift. That was <laughs> kind of special. His parents were there, so that was nice. But and then then we had a bad game, so it kind of takes away from that. Excitement and, and, and joy a little bit, but and and he would tell you the same thing because he's all about winning. So, um, but he's been, you know, he and like I said, he's behind a little bit because he's he missed a lot of time, you know, basically, you know, two and a half months. So he's now he's catching up and he'll just keep getting better every week, I think.
1: And I thought Jake Boudreaux took a little while to get started based off of his strong preseason, but now in these past five games, six games. He's really taking that next step, eh?
0: He's he's just a fearless guy. He's got a lot of confidence in his abilities. He's another guy. He's a tremendous athlete. He's got really good skills. He's not afraid of anything in the game. Like he, he's not afraid to guard the best shot, the best players in the game. It just doesn't bother him, and he does it well. Um, he's great in transition. He's smart. He can finish. Um, and you know, last couple of games, he's probably missed a couple he would like to have back, but he'll 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 bury those and. Yeah, we think he's, uh, you know, he's he's a real good one, and he's just an awesome kid too. So, those guys, you know, and they were both in the same draft. Of course, went back for their extra the year, their COVID year last year, and continue to develop. And uh, you know, you know, Boudreaux is going to be, you know, a big part of that that group for a long time.
1: Tell me, as a Saskatchewan guy, what makes Brampton kids so tough and fearless? Is there something uh, in the water? Not
0: really. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know he just nothing seems to bother that guy he just kind of goes about his business with a smile on his face you know guys challenge him and he just kind of laughs it off and he he just goes out and plays so he you know comes from a good program and, and in both college and in junior a and minor lacrosse so yeah he's uh, he's just one of those you know um kids that uh not really much bothers him or gets under his skin he just plays
1: He's fearless. He put it in a good way, right there. Mm. Also on the back end, uh, Isaac Enju as well. You know, he's mm. another young lefty who stepped up, and I mean, he's young twenties, so there's still a long way for him to go.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, there's a guy there that is entirely different. Like, you know, didn't go to college, so he's a 21 year old. He didn't even play at the higher levels till he was a little bit older. Then he got to play. Um, with a pretty good program last summer in junior. Then he played in a man cup. So now he's at the highest level. Compare him to the other two we discussed. You know, they're 24. And, you know, they went five years of college and they finished their junior career. And, you know, they're a lot more kind of polished and more confident. And But they're similar type athletes. Like, like Isaac Engie is a tremendous athlete. Fast, strong, really good feet good enough skills but his confidence level isn't as good as strong as those other guys because he hasn't played at the higher levels yet so and you can kind of see it in his game where he plays aggressive and plays within his abilities he's really good but when he sits back and kind of plays and I don't know like plays with uncertainty he's not as good and he's and that's a learning curve for him and he's starting to get it though now he's you know he's been quite good when he's been in and he'll continue to develop you know and we're We look forward to his future, that's for sure.
1: I remember talking with you, I believe it would have been week two or three, and we were sitting on the bench watching Jeremy Searle whip around out there, and you said one thing that stuck out is just he's exceeded expectations. Is that how you still feel with a guy who played mainly forward in juniors and is now coming out the back gate?
0: Yeah, you know what, like a fourth-round pick, but we really liked him, though. We thought we got a complete steal there when we got him. We were kind of surprised he was still around. We were lucky to get him and again another guy you know didn't go to college he's a 21 year old he's kind of changed roles a few times we actually even think that because he's a big body with really good skills you know when we were a little banged up last weekend we thought you know what he's our next guy in on the left side on offense if we need him and uh we we feel he can do that as well defensively he's not again not really afraid of anything he takes on challenges um probably you know needs to get a little bit fitter a little stronger and i'll come with with age and maturity and uh um, but you know what big body real good stick skills you know smart with the ball and um another guy like you know real real big upside and and he'll catch up with the others too eventually
1: clark walter a player you saw all last season and now here i guess he's still technically a rookie but he just got his first Mm -hmm. goal so i gotta ask you what it was like for you to see that
0: that was great i mean you know what it was and again another one of those goals in that game i thought we'd get a real lift out of that because we were still in it um but unfortunately we didn't but yeah it was great to see he's just one of those super hard-working kids and uh can play different roles. We like him on offense though, cause he creates a lot of havoc out there. He bangs bodies and he's also pretty quick and he can get around the top well and shoots the ball decently from out there. So, um, you know, starting you know, when you don't play a lot, it can be difficult to, to jump in and, and be an impact guy right away. But we thought he had a pretty good impact last week. Um, you know, in, in his, in his, I think his second game of the year so. Um, we're probably going to see more of him down the stretch here
1: not many guys can play three games in two years and step into a role that he did i thought he played some huge minutes against panther city uh jared smith has he lived up to your expectations
0: he's exceeded by far like we you know we we loved them watching him this summer uh in Naimo, and and he's he's really one of those great stories that that, that don't come along very often and in our league and that, you know, he's a kid from Winnipeg, which isn't really a hotbed of lacrosse. And, you know, he played a little bit of junior A in Toronto and uh, got drafted, you know, by new England and kind of COVID hit. He hadn't played for a few years, even considered not playing anymore. And he, he was a walk on in the NIMO this summer. And we watched him a lot online. It was like, man, this kid's really good. And we were fortunate to get him because there were some other teams that, they were interested and uh he bought into what we were trying to do and we gave him a real good opportunity and and again he's another guy his upside is huge and he's already playing really really well but he's just going to continue to get better i thought he had probably a bit of a rough game in, in panther city there for his standard what, what he set so far this year but other than that i mean you're talking 10 games nine out of 10 games he's been awfully good and um, he brings a little bit of everything. He could score a bit. You know, he's physical. He's real good. He can defend anybody. You know, moves the ball up the floor well. And, um, you know, he, he's, he's been awesome, my guy. You know, I just can't say enough about that kid. And, and again, a great story. Like he just was almost finished playing lacrosse, and he just stuck to it. And um, he's, he's in great shape fitness-wise and a strong kid and runs the floor well, so we like him a lot
1: just a rocky mountain lacrosse league hidden gem right there and jared there go, smith yeah.
0: hey austin
1: madronic last one i'll ask you about too harvard kid we knew his iq mm. was going to be there I, I think he was a little cautious coming into this season but it looks like he's another player who's taking a step forward
0: he has for sure i mean he you know offense is not an easy thing to play in our league and especially when you play with a certain number of or a certain uh, a certain amount of structure and, and system wise, and it takes a while to learn. But he's he's a quick learner, and now he's just kind of finding his way in terms of consistency. Like he'll have he'll have a good game, and then you know have an off game. So he's he's still trying to find his way that way. And that's and that's in terms of him personally and working with his teammates. But and and here's the thing too, you know he had not really played any box lacrosse since before COVID like the mental cup 2019 so it was like three and a half years he hadn't really played any box so and a very lo- limited field even because you know the Ivy League didn't really play a lot during COVID so he hadn't played a lot and, and if, now you're seeing kind of him getting caught up and um, you know he's he's getting there and we think another guy like tremendous upside great kid you know works hard um, love the way he transitions back to defense and takes responsibility there and um, yeah, so again, like just another, you know, he's probably one of our more dynamic one-on-one type players too. Like he can beat people than that and finish and You know, we just got to try and get him into more of those situations, I think, as an offense.
1: How tough is it to develop forwards? Again, you did it 2011 to 2014, I think, about – where they got a lot more reps. I guess maybe they're a more priority ball handler, whereas Madronic right now, there's some damn good forwards up front that you have to give them the mm-hmm. ball. Do, do you think that, not setback, but maybe slows the development a tiny bit?
0: Um, maybe, but we, we're, we're trying to work our offense so that we do share it more, and that's maybe been one of our problems is we're maybe a little bit predictable and who has the ball in their stick a lot. And who doesn't? So um, we would like to him to have the ball and the stick a little bit more. Uh, he does really good things without the ball, um, but you know, if you look at our right side in particular, who would you want with the ball and the stick? Like as a second, as a second ball carrier, I think it's Madronic, you know, and uh, uh, after Roberts. So we'd like to see that happen more, and 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 he's pretty good at it, and uh, and that's again the part of it, part of his development, and which will come along as, as we move forward here.
1: Now away from the rookies, who else has stood out to you this year? Who's who's impressed you?
0: Um, I would say, aside from maybe two games, Alexis Bouquet. Uh, he's had a couple rough games lately, but, again, the team didn't play very well in front of him either. So um, Kyle Rubich still impresses the heck out of me every week, like, you know. You know, he I, I just—he's—he's he's by far the best defender to ever play in our league, and he's still really at the top of his game. And uh, um, Garland—I just love how he plays hard every week, you know, and hard every shift. And you know, he's a real sets a real good example that way. So, like I, those guys there they they have to me have, have stood out, stood out pretty well for me.
1: Love it. Trade deadline is March twentieth. Is it fair to say that these next two weeks are really going to dictate your moves or is it just this upcoming weekend? Where's your head at? If you can kind of walk me through it.
0: Uh, These, these next two weeks are really important. You know, I I mean, and then you could say three weeks, but the deadlines before the third week. So, but we're just going to go into this week realizing how important of a game it is and, and go from there. And, um, you know, you know, me like I, I I never say never. So either way, you know, we 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 would like to try and get better if we could, if it makes sense for us. Um, you know, and I think also I think it's absolutely really important for our team, our fans, our ownership that we make the playoffs this year and we're right in the thick of it right now. So we'd rather try and get better than go the other way. That's for sure. So but we gotta, we got to really show it this weekend that we're we're in the mix. And I, and I, and I think we are. I mean, like I said, we, we've, we've played seven out of ten games. We've played exceptionally well. And we're only five and five as re, you know, the results. But we've had three really bad games and then seven, I think, real good games and even mixed in some excellent games. So we're right in the thick of it. So if there's an opportunity for us to get better, um, it makes sense for the now and in the future then we'll do it
1: you've loaded up on some draft picks you got two firsts and four seconds i believe this upcoming year
0: is it fair to say that those could be in play you know again if it, if it makes sense yeah if, if it makes sense for us then yeah 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 i mean um that would make more sense and we, we really don't want to move any of our young V guys that we've talked about because uh, they're the future like it reminds me of 10, 11 years ago when, you know, Corbill and Rubish and Gilks and Thompson and Jeff Cornwall, that kind of similar group, you know, um, <laughs> that's, it's very reminiscent of that. And we don't want to move any of those guys. So um, that would, you know, if there was anything that made sense for us with that, then we would uh, consider it.
1: It's crazy to think that that's 11 years ago already, but that's a whole different topic. I hey,
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> I got to
1: ask you one more about San Diego this weekend is there extra pressure, do you think? I know this isn't game three of the Champions Cup final, but do you think that there's a little bit of extra pressure in guys' heads or in the room just knowing how big this weekend could be? And you've got the season series on the line.
0: I I kind of in one way hope so. <laughs> it's because then let's see how we respond under that, that pressure. I think maybe the last couple weeks we weren't maybe feeling enough of that because... I really felt after the Calgary game, we were really bad. We we didn't play well. They clearly outplayed us. And I think the guys went into San Diego feeling a bit of that and they responded. So well, we need that response again, which means, you know, understanding um, how important the game is and, you know, let's respond. And we know we're playing a really good team. Um, and, you know, we kind of, kind of match up well against each other, you know, like both ways. And um we'll see. I mean, uh, we just but we clearly need to be more consistent with our effort and compete level in all areas of our game for us to to be there this weekend.
1: Derek, I appreciate you taking the time. All right. No problem, Cody. Huge thanks to Derek for jumping on the show. Don't forget San Diego this weekend. The SEALs in town what an exciting matchup. Anytime it's the San Diego Roughnecks, guys. Let's be real here. Dane Dolby, Curtis Dixon, Frank West Berg. That's what I think of. You've got that rivalry that was there with a lot of those players that have now gone down south for whatever reason that may be. And now you've got that rivalry back. You've got that juice Do you remember at the end of that San Diego game when Jake Boudreaux goes and buries his hat trick? Dolby was furious. San Diego was losing their mind. I mean, we've got a legit rivalry here, and it's going to be an absolute thriller. I mean, you see the way that Robert Church, Mark Matthews, Ryan Keenan have just shot the lights out against San Diego's goaltending this season. There's going to be a lot of goals. We saw a 17-14 game between these two teams last season. So every single bone in my body is telling me that we're in for an absolute thriller. And I do hope to see you there. 7.30 Saturday, Rush Nation. It's going to be a blast. Country night. Who doesn't love country night? It's always a fun time at the SasTel Center. Don't forget... You can watch it TSN Plus, ESPN Plus, the CW in San Diego, and if you want to listen on the Rush app, the Rush Radio Network will be streaming the game as well. Hey, we got a lot of questions from you though, and so let's get to some of those. Jordan wants to know when will we see some of the younger talent get a crack at the roster? Rushka, White, Hawks is the other one on the practice roster, so I'll throw them in there as well. I get the question. And I think you also have to put it in the context that a lot of young talent is already in this roster. Marshall Palace is in his second year. Austin Madronic's a rookie. Connor McClellan's in his second year. Holden Garland, let's go a second full season for him. Bobby Kidd, second season. Jarrett Smith, first year. Jeremy Searle, he's a rookie. Isaac Enju, he's a rookie. So there's already a lot of young guys in this lineup. I, again, I'm fully biased as a Saskatchewan guy. Do I want to see some SWAT alumni get in the games? You're damn right. I, and, I, and I do think that there is a time and a place where you could throw in more rookies in the lineup. Generally, that means you're either guaranteed you're locked into a playoff spot or else that means that you're in rebuild mode. That's when a lot of those players might get their first crack at the NLL. Because as everyone knows, it's time and place. It's circumstance. It's not an easy league to crack. I I mean, look at Dean Farrell getting cut by Panther City and going to Vancouver. The kid had 39 points in 15 games or 12 games with Panther City. And he gets kicked to the curb and Vancouver gets him as a street baller. I mean, that's it's just it's such a wild league when you think about how deep some of these teams are. So maybe if Saskatchewan does get in a little bit more injury trouble, we will see a Keegan White or a Wyatt Hawks get in the lineup. As for Lane Rushka, I, these next two games are really going to decide it. I think that you really want to it's not like Bouquet's been bad this year. No one's saying that. It's you want to see your goaltender steal you a game. I think of what Eric Penny did for Saskatchewan last year against Colorado at home. Around the midway mark, he stole that game against the Mammoth. And it really set the rush up for a bigger second half of the season after starting two and six or whatever. So I'd love to see a huge performance by Bouquet. And for Eric Penny, I know everyone's going to rag on him straight for the numbers, but put your calculators away for a second and consider the fact that five of the, or four, oh, now I'm drawing a blank right now. I just did the math too, and I don't have a notepad on me. I believe it's four or five of the goals that have been scored on him, put quotation marks around that, have been empty netters, basically. So, And they're not considered official empty netters because when that sixth forward comes off the floor, you send your goalie back. And so Eric Penning's technically on the floor or he's running back to the net and the opponent is scoring. So that counts as a goal against, you can't count that against his save percentage. Not to say that it shouldn't be better than, you know, if you take those away, I think it's still around a 740. Not to say that it shouldn't be better or you don't want better than that, but I also think we got to put some things in perspective here. Would I like to see Lane Rush could get a start? Yeah. Do I think that he has potential to, to be a really good... I, I think a 1B is probably where you would put his ceiling right now, and that's nothing against him. I, I just don't think that we've seen or anyone has really seen him stand out and say hey doesn't matter that i'm young right now i'm gonna be a 1a in this league i'm gonna push the alex bouquets i'm gonna push the eric pennies we just haven't seen that yet not to say it doesn't happen but with where we're at right now could he back up a little bit later on in the season i i would never count that one out i i don't think that that's unreasonable to think question or consider but to answer your question jordan I think we gotta wait on some of these uh, younger local talent and give it these next two games, and then maybe we'll circle back to this question. Okay, now traps. We're basically back to where we were at last at this point last season pondering if you will make moves or if you'll hold tight last year. You held and the team looked to improve down the backstretch. They came out hot and it seemed to be the smart decision. Now they've gone cold again. Do you see it being time for a shakeup or near the time in the season to be pressing the panic button? Well, I think Derek answered that perfectly in the interview. And so he's obviously, I mean, he's forgot more about lacrosse than I know. But in my opinion... The panic button can't be pressed now because if you're willing to throw away a five and five season with the West being as close as it is right now, I think that's a crazy move because it doesn't matter where you finish in the standings. You've got a chance to go on a run. It doesn't matter if you're fourth or second or first because that first round, it's a one game winner take all. So... I don't think the just get there attitude is exactly what you want, but I also think if you finish first or if you finish fourth, the chances of moving on, although Rush Nation does give, you know, it's the best atmosphere in the league, yes, it's a huge home field advantage. I don't think it changes that drastically. You'd have to go through like a Cooper Perkins-Lax metrics to really get a grasp on it. But I, I I don't think that the odds, if you put Saskatchewan number one and any other team in the West in number four and flipped them around vice versa, I think your odds would be damn near close. Maybe five, ten points off. And that's points by betting points course if you use uh if you're betting use playnow.com best place but uh, again when you get what i'm saying is i think if saskatchewan can sneak in they've got the exact same chance as if you go through the front door and you finish first or second you got to win that round one it's going to be tough wherever you play and then round two you're getting one home game for sure you got to win that if you want to win the series likely finals always a toss-up look really at colorado last year So I I don't think it's time to hit the panic button yet, Travis. But I think you know my thoughts on these next two games and how big these are. Gerald says, get rid of both goalies. At times, pylons could do the same. That's not a question. But I also disagree, and I've never seen a pylon move how some of the goaltenders in this league do. It's tough to be a goalie in the NLL. I, I think it's probably one of the more difficult positions in all of sports. But it's not like there's a snap of the finger replacement. You can't go out and get a Christian Del Bianco. You could offer Calgary, you could offer, I mean, not even just Calgary, you could offer some of these teams 10 first round picks for their ace and you're not getting it. That's how difficult it is in lacrosse. But that's what makes the sport so fun. Everyone wants to rag on it. You see the same thing if you're a hockey fan and you watch the Edmonton Oilers. They just want to rag on Jack Campbell all the time. It's tough to find a starter. It's tough to find that reliable guy. I think the Rush have had their struggles in goal, but I also think or I also know they're two shots away from being 7 and 3 this season. If you're clutch at the right times, this is a completely different conversation than what we're having. But I do appreciate the thoughts, Gerald, as always. Uh, Nathan, seems like the offense scoring one night off the next one or two. Is it the defense from the certain teams or the goaltending, the reason for the lack of goals? Or is the offense still trying to work new guys in and everyone getting on the same page? Chemistry is the word I'm using here right now, Nathan. And I don't think chemistry is an excuse because outside of Austin Madronic, all of these guys have played together before. Yes, Marty Dinsdale wasn't around last year, but he's played with all of these rush forwards in the past. Chemistry can't be your excuse 10 games in. It it just can't. You've had enough time with the guys. You've had enough video sessions. You've had enough practices. Some points in time just comes down to doing it. You got to do the thing. And end of the day, that comes down to scoring some clutch goals, and that comes down to getting out to some big leads here. That's one of the things. I think the rusher 0-3 when trailing at the half this season. I think they've got one win all year, maybe no wins all year, when they, have sc- when they haven't scored first, when the opponent scored first. The little details like that, you know, you can't make a mountain out of a molehill with some of those stats, but they are a little alarming. And the rush really need to get that confidence back. They've got to be stinging those corners early. You can't be missing the net five out of six shots on the power play. There's little details that go a long way. But no, Nathan, I do not see chemistry being an issue or something. I would blame the five and five start on. We've got a few more questions as well. Skyler, what's the best game you've played and who was it against? I I mean, I, I was never a good lacrosse player, so I don't think this is a a fair one for me to answer. But I will just throw in a quick plug. Used to have a USA hockey record. 92 saves, 95 shots. My first ever junior playoff game. Lost in triple overtime, though. So I'll just throw that out there. Skyler, thanks for the question. Uh, oh, man, this is going to be a tough one. Gawasasti underscore 14 that's i i hate butchering names and i apologize favorite player on the rush well i think that's a little tougher for me to answer now that i'm up in the broadcast booth i mean again i think that there's some players that we're just so lucky to watch on a nightly basis i I mean mark matthews he's still second an assist per game in the league right now like it's just something special watching guys like that play robert church can shoot the lights out the like there's some phenomenal talent but if i have to go back to my lacrosse fandom days and i'll run it back to you know 2007 to 2010 I mean, yeah, Rush Nation, I know you're probably not going to love this one. I was a big Jeff Snyder fan. I, I Again, I thought that the Roughnecks, he was one of the heartbeats of that team. And if I got to back, go back to the Rush, I, I think of 0-9, 10, that season, Gavin Prout, watching him play. And, and again, I've got to meet him in person now. Just a, a great guy, but I loved watching him play in a Rush uniform. So if I had to pick some of my favorites to ever watch play, Those guys are definitely up there. And yeah, maybe it's a little biased because I've met them. But I also think that there was some absolute weapons playing the game. And it was old school. Like we talk about how old school hockey was a little bit different. I mean, clutch, grab, the slashes were different. The hits were different. And it was just an absolute different breed of lacrosse. L. Gibson, 20. How does a 29-year-old get a shot at training camp? Oof. Well, I don't have the power to make those calls. Maybe we get you do a free agent camp. I let's let's get an open camp just for you. I'll I'll put the pitch in. I'll be your reference. I have no clue if you're good at lacrosse or not. Maybe just send a video next time. But uh yeah, I'm not sure too many 29-year-olds are getting shots. Okay, this isn't a shot, but Eric Turner got in pretty late. I, he wasn't 29. I actually think Eric Turner was a 29-year-old rookie and just a great guy, salt-of-the-earth guy, Alberta boy, played in the Rocky Mountain Lacrosse League, went to Cornell. But last year with Colorado, I believe he was a 29-year-old rookie, won a championship too. So maybe there is some hope. Maybe I won't shoot down your dreams and I apologize if you're punching air right now. Uh, Who's your favorite trainer or physio? Well, you want me to rank them 15 to one? Nah, maybe I won't do that. Okay, everyone knows it's T, the best in the league. No question about that one. Hey, we appreciate all the questions, though. It's always fun, Rush Nation. It's always a blast. It doesn't matter the circumstance. I'm here to answer your questions. Connect with me on Twitter anytime at Janner on PXP. Don't forget the Rush Radio Network on the broadcast pregame show, halftime, postgame show. You can get interactive there as well. We can talk about the games, good and bad live. We're open books here on Rush Nation. Huge thanks to Derek Keenan for hopping on the podcast this week. I can't wait for this weekend. It's country night at the Sastel Center, March 11th, 7 30 start time. The San Diego Seals are in town. Dane Dolby, Curtis Dixon come to take on Robert Church and Mark Matthews. We hope to see you there. Saskatchewan as always, be kind, be better.